0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Is it okay if I just take a couple more minutes in church and preach about the goodness of God? Back in the day, the pastor used to say, God is good, and the church would say? Oh, we got some old school people in the house. And then the preacher would say, all the time, and the people would say? Come on, across all of our campuses, let's practice it and say, God is good? And I say, all the time, and you say? Yes, God is good. And Psalms chapter 107 talks about the goodness of God. And I want to take a few moments and just look at this incredible passage of Scripture. And I want you to focus on verse 1 and verse 8, but we're also going to spend some time in the middle. But right here at the beginning, let's focus on verse 1 and verse 8 as we read through this Psalm 107. But We'll read verses 1 through 9. Verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands from east and from west and from north and south. Some, they wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Verse eight, mirrors verse one. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds uh, for mankind. I like the way the New King James Version says, verse eight, it says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Can we just take a second and give thanks to the Lord for his goodness? Come on, one more time across all of our campuses. God, you're good. And we give you praise. He is, he, is, he is good beyond what we can even probably comprehend. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, the goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than we will ever be able to comprehend. So someone said, well, why are we even talking about it then if we can't understand it? Because I'm believing that by the end of this message, we're going to have a better grasp on the goodness of God than we had when we walked into our building today. The divine goodness, this this goodness of God is an overflowing bounty of God by which he who receives nothing and lacks nothing, yet he communicates blessing to his creation and to his creatures. That's the goodness of God. The goodness of God is like this broader uh, term that encompasses Uh, several of God's moral attributes. So like his mercy or his grace or his patience, those would all land underneath this covering of the goodness of God. In Mark chapter 10, we won't turn there, but Jesus in verse 18, Jesus told somebody in Mark chapter 10 verse 18, he said, no one is good except God. Himself. Now, he wasn't saying that people can't do some good things from time to time, but what he was saying is this, is that God in and of himself is originally and infinitely and immutably good. He is good in the highest degree. His goodness can never, can never increase or decrease. I think sometimes when we talk about the goodness of God, when we think about that, well, God is good, sometimes we have kind of ruined the term good because we have used it uh, for maybe common things, you know, like you might eat at a restaurant. Somebody might say, well, how was it? And we say, oh, it was good. Or we might go and watch a movie, and somebody watches the latest Spider-Man movie, and they come back and say, how was it? Oh, man, it was good. Or sometimes we even use good as some sort of qualitative term. It's like not great. And so we'll say it in a way like, well, how was your day? Well, I mean, it was good. In other words, it wasn't great, but it was good. And all of these usages of the word good They don't do the kind of justice to God that we're talking about when when we talk about the goodness of God because he is the highest form of good. He is uh, in and of himself, his goodness can never even increase or decrease. And so according to Psalms chapter 107, that passage we read, of course God is good. It begins in verse 1 that we would give praise to God for his goodness. But then it goes on to describe these different ebb and flow of life. And it's communicating the fact that God is still good, even when we're kind of going through some stuff. And so the first thing i like to bring out, which is what I see in verse 2, is that God is good even when we have opposition. God is good no matter my opposition. Look at verse 2. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. So there is a foe in our life. The New King James Version calls it an enemy. He's redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. New American Standard calls it an adversary. Redeemed us from the hand of the adversary. So we know what it's like to have a foe, to have an enemy of our soul, to have an adversary. But I want you to understand this, that the presence of an adversary does not refute the presence of the goodness of God. No, it actually reveals the goodness of God when we have an adversary. It reveals the goodness of God when we have a foe, when there's an enemy of our soul, and we understand it. I was watching a few years back an episode of the Dog Whisperer. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that show. This guy named Cesar Milan, he goes into these homes and these people will have these crazy dogs out of control and he'll go in and he gets them straight in like four minutes. It's crazy. It's amazing. At least that's what it looks like with the editing. But he goes in and he just has those dogs behaving like immediately. It's awesome. And he went into this one house and they had this dog out of control, tearing stuff up, tearing up the backyard. And he's working with this dog and he says, You know that this dog is a, is a herder, don't you? And they said, well, no, they they didn't know what he was. And uh, he said, yeah, that's in his instinct. And he needs to get that out of his system. He needs to have some exercise. He says, meet me at this address. And he gives them an address. And so these people, the next day or two, they show up at this address and it's this big farm and they're bringing their dog. They don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden out in this big pen, this big uh, field is all these hundreds and hundreds of sheep. And Caesar takes that dog and he takes him out and he lets him loose in the sheep. Doesn't give him any training, doesn't tell him what to do. The owners of the dog are thinking, well, I don't even know how this is gonna work. And that dog just starts going and running around those sheep. And pretty soon those instincts kicks in. And he starts hurting. And every time one of those sheep would start to get going the wrong direction, that dog just instinctively would go up and start barking and nipping at it and biting its ankles and whatever. Pretty soon it just drive that sheep right back into the sheep fold, right back into safety. Pretty soon another sheep would start to go the wrong direction. That dog instinctively just starts biting and barking and nipping and, and, uh, and that sheep would just go right back into the fold. And so I'm watching that thinking about, you know, that we have an adversary, we have a foe. And And he might bark, and he might uh, nip, and he might bite, but what I think sometimes the enemy does not understand that we who know the goodness of God, that even when I have a moment of attack, even when I have a moment of, uh, of something adversarial in my life, all it does, if I understand the goodness of God, it just drives me back into the fold. It just drives me back into safety. It just drives me back into the arms of the shepherd. And so even when we go through, I mean, I'm talking about, even things, even messes we get ourselves into. And the enemy is right there to try to maximize the the addiction, try to maximize the devastation. The enemy's right there to try to bring conflict and strife and confusion and loss and loneliness, even in those moments when I understand the goodness of God, when I understand the victory of God. See, the presence of the adversary helps me realize that I have an enemy, but that I also have victory. I was watching a um, a clip from a funeral, and a, and a man by the name of Jonathan Ever- Evans was giving um, the eulogy for his mom's funeral. And in that, um, Jonathan uh, Evans, he, uh, his his father's Tony Evans, well-known pastor and communicator, and then uh, Jonathan's brother Anthony uh, Evans, is a contemporary Christian artist, music artist. And so he's given the eulogy for his mom. She had lost her battle with cancer. And I watched this, and it moved me, because he gets up and he says, um, you know, I've really wrestled with God over this. He says, especially over these last couple of days, I've really wrestled with God over the loss of my mom. He said, I, I've been talking to God, and I told God, I said, God, um, I don't know, it just seems like you missed a moment here. He said, God, we were praying. He said, God, people all over the country were praying. This could have been a moment for you to receive glory because everybody was watching and yet she's gone. And he said, I wrestled with God. And he said, but then God spoke to me. He said, one of the things that God spoke to me in that moment was this. He said, son, you don't understand my victory. He said, just because I didn't answer your prayer your way does not mean I didn't answer your prayer anyway. He said, son, you need to know this, that there are always only two answers to your prayers for your mom. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. He said either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either your mom was going to be well taken care of or your mom was going to be well taken care of. He said victory is mine. That's what the Lord spoke to him. And just um, we, when you understand, amen. When you understand the goodness of God, even if I go through a season where I can feel that there is an enemy, there is an opposition, even then, God is still good. God's also good, uh, we see in verse four, no matter matter the position I'm in in life. Because verse four says, some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. Some of these this, these these groups of people that have had these seasons of wonder, not wonder of course with an O. Uh, in a couple of weeks, our Christmas production—that's the theme. It's oh man, the wonder of God. I'm not talking about that kind of wonder, but wonder with an A. It's talking about these uh, these people. And it's referencing, I'm sure, uh, the children of Israel, but it's not just referencing that because we saw a couple verses before. It was talking about people from the north, south, east, and west. And in the Hebrew, that even included overseas. So we're kind of a part of Psalms 107 even here today. And we've all been in seasons where we're just kind of wondering. We've all been in those seasons where it's just like, I'm just trying to figure out where it is that I'm supposed to settle. Like, we, we're all kind of wired to kind of be looking for our people or our place or our purpose. And, and sometimes when we get in those seasons where it just something just doesn't feel right, if we're not careful, we can start to miss and lose our focus that God is still good even during seasons of disposition or imposition. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on a weekend at a church in Indiana, and I flew in late on a Saturday night, and I got to my hotel about midnight, and uh, got up early that next Sunday morning, and uh, went and preached two services, ran straight to lunch, and then ran straight to the airport to catch my flights home. I flew out of Indiana and had a connection in Dallas, and I was supposed to catch a flight out of Dallas to Orlando. On my way into Dallas, I started getting a little coverage on my phone. I saw a text message from my assistant Anna. She said, "Uh, have you seen this yet? And I hadn't seen it. And I looked. And so it turns out that the airline had canceled my connecting flight, my flight from Dallas to Orlando. I guess now just that's the thing. Airlines just cancel flights and they're like, it's too bad. Just figure it out. Nothing, whatever. So they just canceled. That flight's no more. So I started looking, I said, well, what is, what is the thing? And so we're trying to see what is my options. And they said, oh, we booked you another flight. same Maryland, I said, okay, good. This was Sunday afternoon at about uh, five or six or so. And uh, Sunday afternoon, I looked, and said, we booked you on a flight going out of Dallas back home Tuesday morning. I want to be like, y'all understand like how days work? Because today's Sunday. I can't be wandering around until Tuesday. Like it would be one thing if I was home, getting ready to fly somewhere and they say, that flight's canceled, it's gonna be a couple days. That's all right, I got a people, I got a place. It'd be one thing if I was in my other, my destination before I left Indiana and they said, hey, that flight's canceled. That's all right, I got some people here. But I was in the in-between. I was in Dallas where I didn't have a place and I didn't have a people. And they want me to just wander around for, for two days. And so uh, I, I got on the phone with my wife and I said, get with Anna. Y'all just figure something out. Like, I don't have good coverage, so see what you can find. And so they ended up finding a flight that was Going out of Dallas at the other airport in Dallas, the flight was supposed to go out way earlier but had been delayed long enough for me to catch the flight. I think Jesus did that for my benefit. So uh, it was way delayed, and so I... Caught an Uber from one airport to another airport. I barely got on that flight that was not flying to Orlando. Instead, it was flying to Tampa. So I caught a flight to Tampa, rented a car in Tampa, and drove home and ended up pulling up into my driveway about 2 a.m. And I was so exhausted and I was so tired, but I'm telling you what, it felt so good to have my place. It felt so good to be home. It felt so good to get up in my bed where I belong because the other options was to be wandering around Dallas for a couple of days and so it just, having that position uh, and what can happen to us is, is because we're wired for that. We all wanna have that feeling of I belong. We all wanna have that feeling I found my place, I found my people but what can happen to us is when we are in the seasons of wonder and those come for all of us Maybe somebody here today, you feel like, man, I'm there right now. I'm stuck in Dallas wandering around right now. I don't know where I'm headed. Listen to me. Even if you're in a season of wonder, a season of disposition, I have good news for you. And it is this. God's goodness has not gone anywhere. God is still good over your life. God's good. Even when, amen. All the time. All right. Y'all are slow, but you're worth the wait. Amen. That's all good. I'm just kidding. But look at verse 5. I'll I'll get ready to, to close here. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Remember, this is landing inside of two mere verses that just say, oh, but we, that men would give praise to God for his goodness. And it's talking about people that are hungry and thirsty, and their lives are ebbing away. And this is probably talking more, really, about spiritual and emotional hunger and thirst more than it is physical. Because the exiles that this verse is referencing, they actually had food and drink even during their exile. But yet, during their exile, there was this desperation. There was just this constant hunger and thirst for something better, something more. And God is still good, even no matter our condition. Because you can look around and go, I'm not sure my conditions are all that great right now. I I guess I kind of have lost sense in the goodness of God because of of what I see around me. When we get in those moments of desperation, when our conditions around us don't seem quite like we thought they were going to seem, it's important for us to keep our focus on the goodness of God. How can we learn to trust God in the midst of even less than appealing conditions? Here's here's one truth to keep in mind in these moments when I need to learn how to trust God. Hear this, when you're crying out to God in desperation, know this, God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. Can I say that one more time? I said God always gives you what you would have asked for yourself if you knew what he knows. Boy, that'll help you kind of trust in the goodness of God, even when my conditions don't seem. Listen, I don't know everything that God is doing in your suffering. I, I don't. It'd be awesome if I could just give you the personal list. Of, Here's everything God's accomplishing. Here's how he's going to turn it around for good. I don't know everything God's doing in your suffering. I don't know everything God's doing in this worldwide pandemic when it seems like that's all we get to hear about all the time. I don't know, but I do know this. As I read the Word of God, I see hundreds and hundreds of examples where God is always good. I see hundreds and hundreds of examples where God always turns it around for our good, and so I just choose to believe that he's still doing that. No matter our condition, God is good. I, um, I read about this, this missionary. His name was Alan Gardiner. And he was alive in the 1800s. He actually died in 1851. He had um, always felt a call to be a missionary, but uh, didn't get to go after that calling until a little bit later in his life. He was 57 years old when he died, and he died on Picton Island. It's this little little, tiny uninhabited island on the southern tip of South America. He was uh, a British man. He was from England, but he was out on a missionary journey, and they shipwrecked on this uninhabited island, him and a a few people. And once they were there, um, his journal, other people's writings, tell the story of uh, a lot of sickness, a lot of disease, a lot of hunger, a lot of thirst, a lot of problems. And one by one, each of these people that were shipwrecked on this island began to die. And from what we can tell from his journal, this missionary, Alan Gardner, was the last one, the last one to die. And uh, as you read the pages of his journal, you see all kinds of a record of Again, the hunger and the thirst and the wounds and the loneliness. But on the last day that he was on the earth, he writes in his journal, and uh, they said that you could kind of just barely even read it, couldn't even keep his hands steady with uh, the condition that he was in. But he writes a quote from Psalms chapter 34, verse 10. That verse says this, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And then the very last entry in his journal was this. As he could barely keep his hands steady, sickness, hunger, thirst, loneliness, he writes this, his very last entry, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. I, I, I just messed with me. I'm overwhelmed, he says, with a sense of the goodness of God. I think, I think the reason why it just messed with me so much is because we are way too guilty of, of, of connecting the goodness of God to the goodness of our circumstances. And when things are good, we kind of realize and we go, oh man, God's good. Because look around. And when things are going well and we're on the mountaintop, it's like, oh man, yes, I realize, I remember God's good. And yet here's a man who had tapped into something, a deeper level of God's goodness. How do you know he tapped into a deeper level of God's goodness? Because he did not have any good conditions to look around. He didn't have anything good. There was no mountaintop moment. There was no well-fed. There was no prosperity. There was no blessing. And yet he says, I am just overwhelmed by a sense of the goodness of God. Oh, that's what I want my life to be. You know why? Because that's how good God is. I mean, His goodness, once you you live under the understanding of His goodness, His goodness just just chases you down. It just follows you. That's what David said in Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. At the end of that psalm, he said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. You ever seen in the movies when somebody be like on a, they'll be driving their car and they look up in the rearview mirror and they say, We're being followed. And it's always this big, intense moment and the music picks up because we're being followed. Listen, church, I have good news across all our campuses. We are being followed. You are being followed by the goodness of God, and it's better than you can even comprehend. God's good. Amen. God's good all the time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.